Hello, good evening everybody. We are back for the latest roundup of Russell Brand news, of which there is tons as usual. If you go on Google, put Russell Brand in, click news, you cannot find a single positive article about him. The best I did was found a Financial Times article that at least pointed out that it was his career in TV, the encouragement of the TV studios that created that side of him. The headline in the FT is actually, Russell Brandt learned his tricks in television studios. So we'll start with that one before all the others because they're just dogpiling on him with dirt. So, Alex Mann, chief exec of Channel 4, noted that Terrible behavior towards women was historically tolerated in the industry. The network broadcast an investigation into Russell last week that included the accusations by four women and we know about all the other allegations that have come in since and many of you saw his response last night. Channel 4, however, originally helped to turn Russell Brand from a stand-up comic into a fast-talking trickster who waltzed his way through the media by employing him as a presenter on a reality TV show spin-off. The BBC then used him as a radio host before he resigned over the sax stunt in 2008. At the least, broadcasting empowered him to become, as he puts it, very, very promiscuous. Although hands are being wrung, Mahan is right. Many industries used to tolerate abusive women and even encourage it as a hazing ritual. I mean, just look at the, the Benny Hill. Many men took advantage of that pu to push their sexual look. But television in the UK and many other places enabled it in a particular manner. Tim Davey, BBC Director General, compared TV to other high-adrenaline environments, such as operating theatres and investment bank trading floors. When teams led by stars work under pressure and against the clock, it can be used to excuse abuse. A boss surrounded by acolytes is a dangerous combination. And I'm reading from the Financial Times. It is true of hospitals. About 30% of female surgeons working in UK hospitals, including many consultants, said in a study this month that they had been SA'd. That's terrible. Compared with 7% of male surgeons that have always also been abuses in hedge funds and at banks which are full of self-indulgent revenue generators. Well, I was a stockbroker from 1991 to 96-97. Hardly any women worked in it as brokers. There was one extremely tough woman. There were secretaries and I think they were the only women really that I interacted with but it was a completely macho, sexist environment where any cause for celebration, 
the boss would get strippers up in the office and limos would be downstairs with, with strippers in them taking everyone to the local strip club these this is um what the work ethic was like if you've seen wolf of wall street totally insane just like that and i just come out of university and i'm like whoa is this what the work world is like all right so television takes this recipe and sprinkles it on celebrities the sociologist max weber described the charismatic authority of leaders who are treated as having superhuman or exceptional powers weber cited prophets quote leaders in the hunt and heroes in war as examples but he could also had he been writing a few decades later have included tv personalities they've become like gods haven't they film stars tv personalities straight out of the greek mythology zeus on-screen presenting is a peculiar job requiring a quick wit and the ability to cajole and interview guests with a producer whispering instructions into your ear would that be ash <laughs> but a lot of the work is done behind the scenes by writers and fixers and teams whose job it is to make programs run smoothly there are many professionals working invisibly to help the talent be charming wow and the author of this financial times article is saying that he benefited in a way this week moderating a panel at the rts which journalists do scribbling notes and trying to work out what to ask but the rts is a tv event and run by tv rules so he was given a nicely crafted script along with polished slides to entertain the audience presenters are fetid for what weber called the gift of grace and some exploit it they need not reach the depths of which russell brand is accused it can be ordinary nastiness and he gives the example of jimmy fallon us talk show host who apologized this month after accusations of erratic behavior towards staff quote if i ever mistreated anybody or made you feel bad that was not my goal russell brand always had charisma i think he still does that more than comic originality or political insight was his genius it was difficult to take your eyes off him and even when he was making little sense when he was finally dropped by broadcasters it proved to be a transferable skill he ported his left-wing shtick into being an online influencer and anti-establishment conspiracy theorist look every single mainstream media outlet is just hammering the conspiracy theorist thing even the mail when i get to that in a minute was saying that last night when russell did his video he just was peddling conspiracy theories it's like a script they've got i think whereby to try and destroy you they have to stick to certain terminology so continuing this article youtube turned off monetization this week 6.6 million subs on youtube he chats to guests such as tucker carlson former fox news host attacks beep 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 beep, beep makers and speculates about ufo's it is a kicks quixotic brew 
of half-truths and comic satire that is treated seriously by many of his cult followers. Look, he's got more followers on YouTube, a single man, than major TV networks who've got staff and offices and workers throughout the world. He's getting more views than some of these networks. So this is not a cult of Russell Brand. It's a guy who's getting a message out to a hell of a lot of people, attacking mainstream narratives, yes, but to enhance our critical thinking skills, shouldn't we all be looking at every side of the story? And there's never just two sides of a story. There's always multiple. So Russell was shining a light on things that the mainstream media were not. Thus, he is a conspiracy theorist. But the mainstream media, which Russell rails against today, can hardly complain from Cambridge. The actor and writer Emma Thompson appeared at the RTS to praise TV's influence on her. It developed me, it trained me, I loved it and I still love it, she said. Fair enough, but it's also trained Brand to be an immoral populist. This is according to the FT. This is the, the least critical article I'm starting with. Russell now spouts weirdness on the internet. But he was not rigorously fact-checked in the past. Well, if he was not fact-checked, he would have been getting strikes. He only got one strike over something to do with the pandemic, as far as I'm aware. Broadcasters used his status as a comic, as a get-out clause. Even by his own admission, they permitted him to exploit relentlessly the beep opportunities of presenting. Now they are shocked that gambling was going on in the casino. Well, that is a good point, FT. They got to take responsibility. Just saying it's a, they can't just say it was a different time period, blah, blah, blah. TV's responsibility is to make presenters and others behave gracefully in the truest sense, not just to polish their charisma. You can hardly call yourself a public service broadcaster if you fail that test. All right, well, that's the most balanced out of all the mainstream media news stories that have come out today that I've looked at. So let's look at the ones that are absolutely hammering him now, shall we? And there was a... There was one from Sky. Russell Brand ripped holes in woman's tights and refused to call her a taxi until she performed a beep act. So this woman who met the comedian on a flight alleges he made her feel vulnerable and intimidated with his aggressive behaviour. Let's get into this. This comes as new allegations continue to emerge about his behaviour and another organisation has cut ties with him. Which one is that? It is. Just got to check this. That's the talent agency and women's charity. Cut ties with him. All right. Let's go back to this other one. So we're going to call this woman's name Sarah. It's not her real name. She is now claiming she met Russell Brand on an airplane where he seemed friendly and charming. He invited her for breakfast and a walk after the flight and she agreed to travel in his limousine. He changed 
she said, like he wasn't friendly and charming in the limo. He was aggressive, and I felt vulnerable and intimidated. And then she describes him jumping on her. The limo driver was turning around a few times because I was saying no, but he ripped a hole, more than one hole, in the tights that I was wearing. And then they drove straight to his house where they had consensual beep. I'm not comprehending this. So if if he turned nasty in the limo and ripped a hole in her clothes, why didn't she, when they got to the house, you would have gone elsewhere, wouldn't you? You wouldn't have gone in the house. I mean, it was consensual. I didn't say no, but I feel like there's a fine line between being forced and being coerced. You know, like being in a situation where the only way out is just to get it over and done with and leave. Well, this certainly doesn't go into criminality. If he was mean to in the limo, that's disrespectful. She's got a point, but she should have got her ass out of that limo and got off somewhere else if it had turned sour at that point. She claims that Bran then refused to call her a taxi until she performed beep on him. I wanted to leave and I said I need to get a taxi and he said I'm not going to get you a taxi to do this, which was a sex act. She describes feeling really trapped and wanting to scale that house. Um, Sky has reached out to Russell's representatives for comment, uh, for comment, but he's not yet responded. I don't know about this one. He, um, you know, for the amount of women he's claimed to have slept with, if it is 10,000 plus, there's going to be all kinds of situations out there that people can come forward. And the other thing, another thing I've been contemplating is, you know, I understand that when things happen to people when they're younger, they've got to process them. And when they're an adult, they understand the criminal act that's happened and they can take it to the authorities. And that is the usual way these things come out. But in this case, it's like all these women, coming it's coming out at the same time. And it appears that the journalists contacted the women. It wasn't the other way around, which is adding to my suspiciousness. All right, next part of this Sky News story. The BBC, meanwhile, has said it is looking into new allegations after a woman claimed he exposed himself to her. And this woman is being called Olivia. She was working in the same building as Russell 15 years ago in LA when the incident happened. She claims she answered the door to him and his team. And when she went to the bathroom, she noticed he was behind her. She claims he said he was going to have beep with her. And she said, no, you're not. And he he flashed her. She said, no, no, no. She returned to her desk afterwards and texted a BBC employee in the office what had happened. The employee told her that he knew because he was already talking about it in the studio on Radio 2. Good grief. In the broadcast, he's heard speaking to his co-presenter about it. It's been 25 minutes since he showed his beep to a lady and referred to the receptionist and he can be heard laughing in the background. She never made a complaint at the time but management was informed in 2019 and no formal action was taken. The BBC said it was sorry to hear the allegations and would investigate them as part of a review into his time at the BBC. 
In a statement reported on BBC News, Matt Morgan said, I was not aware until now of the nature of this encounter. Blah, blah, blah. They're investigating, etc. Yep, so the problem is with his humour, he uses hyperbole a lot. And you don't know... If you take it literally, it sounds completely warped and criminal. But if he's just embellishing to try and get a laugh out of people, the context of what he's saying has to be taken into account. Not making excuses for his misogynist jokes, the things he's said over the years, any of his behaviour. I'm just trying to analyse what's going on here from a rational perspective. Because there's so many stories coming out and so many theories coming out I mean, yesterday we had Matthew Steeples on earlier in the day who does not like Russell Brand and went against him on many things, which I didn't agree with, but everyone's entitled to their opinion. And then later in the day we had Ron Swanson who came on, who had a completely different perspective from Matthew Steeples. And I did agree with most of what Ron said, but even Ron was trying to look at it from the perspective of the accusers and just try to figure what the hell has happened here and whether it goes into criminality, whether this could become a criminal case. And Ron, if you didn't see it last night, it came shortly after Russell posted his, I think it's a three or four minute video. We played it, uh, but we got copyright, not struck, copyright claimed by Rumble. So we had to extract those sections out of the video but it's the most recent live stream was with Swanson last night if you want to want to check that out all right so the mail as usual they're just blasting Russell all day long we've got how Russell Brand tried to silence his critics using feminist Megan's favorite lawyer for years the comedian has been intimidating accusers and threatening the media with the help of an expensive attack dog lawyers. Harvey Weinstein's Fall from Grace in October 2017 presented a serious threat to Russell Brand's lucrative show business career, not to mention his reputation. He had been reinventing himself as a dutiful father after marrying Laura two months earlier. But his prior behaviour sat awkwardly with the enlightened new Me Too era. A noted predator who claimed to have clocked up more than a thousand conquests. He was, I thought it was 10,000 if you go over 10 years. He was notorious for using stand-up shows to sell misogynistic jokes about his degrading exploitation of women. He did do that. But people were paying to see it. TV companies were paying him to do it. If you go back to like some of the comedians that came before him, they were even more obscene. They were probably locked up for things that they said. Thing, uh, you know, Bernard Manning is one. I think he was out of Manchester. Andrew Dice Clay. Look at the stuff Howard Stern said in the 1990s. All right, three years earlier on a West End stage, for example, Brand had uttered the punchline, oh, I've beeped someone once and killed her. 
On a previous stand-up tour, he boasted about performing grotesque acts on partners until the mascara ran a little bit. In his best-selling autobiography, he confessed to having spat in the face of a girlfriend during rough sex and said he'd later drawn up an extensive victims list of women he'd wronged as a result of his beep addiction. Quite a track record for a supposedly mainstream comedian and Guardian columnist. So he was walking something of a tightrope on the morning of October 22nd when he pitched up at the studios of Channel 4's popular daytime chat show Sunday Brunch. By the time he'd walked out a few hours later, he was facing a minor PR crisis. To blame was an at best questionable and at worst deeply tasteless joke he'd cracked on the supposedly middle-brow programme during a discussion about Strictly Come Dancing. One Sunday brunch co-host, celebrity chef Simon Rimmer, was competing in the BBC show. Brand asked the other co-host, Tim Lovejoy, whether he'd attended any live recordings. You're around there every week, aren't you, Lovejoy? joked Brand. What's your motivation on a Saturday at Elstree? Lurking around the dancers. I better come. Gotta support Simon. Stick around. Eventually someone will be drunk enough. His gag hinged on the idea that celebrities routinely target inebriated women to take advantage of. A good number of viewers found that poor form. Russell Brand makes me ill. Another disgusting male making beep jokes. One wrote on Twitter... Given the current climate, a very poor comment from Russell Brand, said a second. So not funny, vulgar and childlike, wrote a third. So complaints about the joke went viral under the hashtag MeToo. At this point, the Metro newspaper decided to cover the controversy on its website with an article headline, Russell Brand makes inappropriate sexual assault joke on live TV. It went live at exactly 12 39. So, it is really inappropriate, but he was getting paid to say these things. So, at that point, Brand had two sensible options. He could take the heat out of the controversy by issuing an apology, or he could keep his head down and hope that what was, in the great scheme of things, a relatively minor row that would die down of its own accord. But instead, he decided to go down a third route, one that has been followed by egotistical rich people since time immemorial. He hired a top lawyer to threaten people. His chosen attack dog in this endeavour was one of the most high-profile defamation specialists of our times, Jenny Afia a partner at Schillings, the combative law firm whose clients have ranged from Roman Abramovich and Elton John to the family of Captain Tom Moore. Afia is perhaps best known for her work on behalf of the noted feminist Meghan Markle. She featured as an interviewee in both Prince Harry's recent Netflix doc and 2021's BBC show The Princess and the Press in which she told host Amal Rajan that allegations suggesting the Duchess 
was a difficult or demanding boss were just not true, and that the term bullying should in no circumstances be applied to her royal client's behaviour. Representing Ruffle Brand, Afia proved to be similarly strident. At exactly 4.42pm on October 22nd, just three hours after the Metro article had been published, she fired a hostile email to the newspaper subject, Urgent. Believe me, I've had a few of them. The article alleges that our client joked about and made light of beep assault. Afia wrote, this is untrue. Of course, some viewers may not find the joke funny, comedy being a subjective experience, but it is significantly inaccurate and highly defamatory to claim that the subject matter was about S.A. The letter finished by demanding that the article be urgently taken down, adding that Russell required the newspaper to agree not to repeat the allegation that he'd cracked the off-colour joke and reimburse his legal costs. It finished, our client reserves his position in relation to damages pending your response. Well, this woman must be busy right now if she's still his lawyer. One of them. Like most legal threats, it was immediately reviewed by lawyers for the newspaper a sister publication of the Daily Mail. They concluded that the article accurately reported something Brandon said on TV, along with the response of viewers. His complaint was therefore spurious, and Afia's letter did not merit a response. The article, the article remains on Metro's website to this day. Other less robust newspapers may not have been so dismissive, however. Some might have been intimidated in taking the piece down. And therein lies the rub. For while this example may seem relatively frivolous, the, modus, the modus operandi at its heart is anything but. Russell Brand's litigious response to legitimate scrutiny helps explain how the self-confessed beep-beep was able, at last Saturday's Dispatches documentary put it, to hide in plain sight. Put simply, Russell over the years used an array of highly paid lawyers not only to silence women who complained about his conduct, but also to intimidate and in some cases prevent news organisations from bringing his alleged misdeeds to light. Well, I'm curious if there's ever been, over those many, many years, any complaint to the police anywhere. That would give more weight to articles like this. And if, if that had happened, wouldn't it have been unearthed by now? This is not, it must be stressed, to criticise the lawyers themselves. They act on the instructions of a client in what they believe to be his or her best interests. So while Afia's work for Brand May, with the benefit of hindsight, now invites scrutiny, it isn't necessarily at odds with her firm's stated mission to be ethical and principled. Indeed, in a development that will doubtless come as a relief to Meghan Markle and other clients, I gather that neither she nor Schillings are now representing Russell. Instead, he has in recent weeks been represented by a former colleague of Afia named Mark Thompson. Well, Mark Thompson's got his hands full, hasn't he? Whose firm Thompson Heath represents senior political figures, along with FTSE companies 
and their execs, royal families, governments and celebrities, and has acted for singers Lily Allen and Kate Bush and Olivia Coleman. So that's who's representing Russell right now. His use of aggressive lawyers featured heavily in last week's Dispatches documentary, which told how one alleged victim, Alice, contacted his literary agents, Tavistock Wood, in 2020 to make a complaint. This is the 16-year-old. And then, in response, she received a robust email from an as-yet-unnamed law firm stating, You have made contact on three occasions, and I suspect that you are trying to obtain money. That would be a most serious matter if it were the case. Please note that the allegations you made over the phone are all vehemently denied and all rights reserved. So Alice said his lawyer emailed me, was very aggressive, said very clearly that I was after money, implied that it was almost blackmail what I was doing. I pointed out that I've never mentioned money. I've never asked for money. You're the only person that's ever asked for money. That was how that communication ended. And I know many people have wondered whether the original four women who've made accusations were paid by Channel 4 or The Times. And according to Matthew Steeples, this is one thing that's in Steeples' favour with this, he said that he has confirmed through contacts he has that none of them were paid. And it does seem from this article that Alice certainly wasn't paid right so in 2014 miss martin a model published a book about their fling called not entanglement with a celebrity written in the third person it described an incident with an angry russell allegedly essayed her in a room at the lowry hotel in manchester salford manchester i'm not going to read what it says but it does make it does describe what happened and then, days before the 2015 election, at which Russell had endorsed Ed Miliband, the Mail on Sunday published an interview with Martin in which she made a number of grisly claims about his conduct. But prior to publication, they put various allegations to his representatives. And in response, the newspaper received a lengthy letter from Russell's then-lawyer, Mark Bateman, from a firm called Archerfield Partners, saying Brand denied a number of the claims and threatening to sue if they were repeated. And here's the quote. Accusations that our client was aggressive or threatening to Miss Martin are entirely false. In particular, accusations that our client falsely imprisoned Miss Martin, essayed Miss Martin, and or aid Miss Martin are highly defamatory and untrue. Accusations that our client was cruel or manipulative are untrue. He did not taunt her over her ability to have kids. He did not tell her to take the morning after pill, having said he wanted kids with her. He did not prevent her seeing friends or family. He did not suggest or question whether she was sexually attracted to her. Oh my goodness, I can't repeat that. He did not break her phone. The letter went on to deny other allegations of beep behavior unsuitable to print in a family newspaper. And it concluded, if the false and highly defamatory allegations allegedly made by Miss Martin are repeated and published by you, our client will take immediate legal action. So, as the dispatches 
Doc observed, these threats did not prevent the Mail on Sunday from carrying an interview with Miss Martin. However, the article did not include some of the more her-raising claims, including any reference to the alleged S.A. There's no suggestion Mr. Bateman, who was acting on the instruction of Russell, behaved immorally or improperly in advocating for a client, but he no longer represents Russell. Archer Field also went into bat for Russell in a second case, which raised significant questions about his alleged treatment of women during 2014-2015, involving a Hungarian masseuse named Svilvia Berkey. Thank you for the super chat, Boombox. Who had been hired by Brand's then-girlfriend, the heiress Jemima Goldsmith, to perform a massage on him at her £15 million mansion, Kiddington Hall, near Chipping Norton, Oxfordshire, June 2014. Berkey, who advertises her services on a number of websites, including a personal website, described herself as a full-figured, curvy, BBW lady in late 20s and said, I am a qualified massage therapist with valid insurance, agree a fee of £500 for the session, which was scheduled on Russell's birthday. £500 for a massage. Wow. Yet, after being taken to the location from her home in Wimbledon, by Goldsmith's driver, Berkey, was told her services were no longer required. There followed a disputed incident in which Berkey claimed to have been physically assaulted by Russell and attacked by Goldsmith's pet Alsatian. She was subsequently paid the £500 fee. Berkey began emailing news outlets about the whole thing and a week or so later reported the incident to Thames Valley Police who launched an investigation. Goldsmith and Brand denied claims of wrongdoing and insisted they'd ordered a standard rather than a beep massage. The police investigation was dropped, however Berkey continued to post on social media about the incident. The couple initially instructed Archerfield to endeavour to keep the story out of the newspapers, while several efforts to that end were successful, details of the police probe eventually made news that August. Thereafter, they used the firm to prevent the masseuse from continuing to err the allegations. Late in 2014, they were granted an anti-harassment restraining order. In October 2015, it was made permanent. The judge in the case, Ms. Justice Carr, concluded that Berkey's claims seemed internally consistent and that the couple were likely to prove they were false. They involved, she wrote, extremely private and sensitive matters. Berkey is, to this day, banned from disclosing details of the incident in public, but many other women who crossed Russell's path over the years remain free to speak. Despite the best efforts of Brand and the various high-end lawyers he has employed over the years, other complaints are now finally starting to be heard. Right, so that is just one. We've done a Financial Times article. We've done Sky News. We've done the Mail. There are actually absolutely no positive news stories about Russell Brand anywhere to be found at the top of 
Google's search results. It's all just hell raining down upon him. And with everything that's gone on, before I go on to the next news story, I just want to ask the chat. Please put in the chat if you do think that there is a bigger picture here. That Russell is... They're trying to silence Russell Brand. Put one in the chat if you think they're trying to silence Russell Brand. Put a two in the chat if you think these claims have just arisen organically. And there was no inducement about it. And it's not just coincidence that he's been speaking out about all these huge organizations. So, yep. Looks like unanimously ones. We've got a one and a two from Danny. Could be both one and two. Chris has put a three. Tiger Lily's got a two. Say so it's about 95% ones right now. And Russell's subscribers are just going up. We've got a 1.6 there. Russell's subscribers are going up and up, which is, you know, it's, it's, it's the entire world can vote here. If you, if you think he's guilty, unsubscribe. If you think he's not, and there's some kind of setup. Subscribe. And it's it's rising every day. Yep, the story is, is probably a distraction from other things. Alright, so that's let's see. We're gonna go over to now the next another story that's just come out. And that one is Well, we've already covered his video from last night. And the male's reporting it. He's begging his fans to support him on his $60 Rumble channel. Whatever that means. So they're saying that at the end of the video last night, Russell announced he would be returning to his show on Rumble. An online video platform where subscribers pay a minimum $60, £48 fee to watch. After adverts on his YouTube channel was suspended. I didn't know people had to pay. To watch Rumble. Or are they talking about premium content that Russell. Yeah I have got a Rumble channel. Definitely got a Rumble channel. I've followed Rumble shows as well. Are any of you guys in the chat paying. $60. Oh I see. Okay. So Russell Brand has a £50, let's see, does he have a £50, where's that comment, you don't have to pay to watch Russell on the Rumble, Russell Post is $60 a year, okay, so that's premium content, they're not saying in this article that it's premium content, um, they're saying that they're giving a false impression here. Throughout his rambling speech, he accused the British Gov of demanding that big tech platforms censor his online content and took a swipe at his former employer, the BBC, for its Trust News initiative. We covered that last night in the in the live with Ron Swanson. We looked at all the different entities that are in the Trust Initiative. Another Orwellian titled organisation. Over the last week, we've got more claims coming forward to media, more, you know, a couple to the London Met cops. And 
in his short video, which went to Instagram, X, Twitter, YouTube. He talked to his Awakening Wonders, saying it's been an extraordinary and distressing week, and I thank you very much for your support for questioning the information that you have been presented with. And then he goes into the Big Brother thing and everything else. And we did play that video last night in the live. I do not want to repeat the whole thing. All right, so let's go over to the next story then. Just close these ones. Because they're now targeting Rumble, aren't they? Because Russell's directing people to Rumble, they're going to go after Rumble now itself. And we're already seeing several news stories pile on. So here's one from The Independent. Inside Rumble, the YouTube alternative beloved by Russell Brand and the Trumps. The video sharing platform has become a haven for those exiled from mainstream media channels as the BBC, Channel 4 and Paramount distance themselves from Russell Brand. Is Rumble his port in the storm? Someone sent me a link as well. There's a 60 Minutes Australia are doing an attack on Russell Brand's show today or tomorrow, whatever bloody hell the time is is in Australia. So let's look at what The Independent is saying. All is not lost for Russell Brand. Despite the allegations of RSA and emotional abuse made against him, which he vehemently denies, and his subsequent exile from mainstream media, one platform is currently touting its close proximity to the star as a selling point. Join Rumble today. Former Fox News presenter and Rumble bankroller, Dan, I don't know how to pronounce it, said earlier this week, Russell is already there. So too are Donald Trump, Donald Trump Jr., Andrew Tate, and Alex Jones. As of 2022, the video showing platform reported 78 million active users globally. Russell has been one of those users for just over a year. On Rumble, he has 1.4 million followers or Awakening Wonders. But it's a paltry figure compared to the 6.63 million he has on YouTube. 1.4 million is not something to be sticky nose about. 1.4 million in the short amount of time he's probably been on Rumble is quite impressive. I think I've got about 50,000 and I've been on Rumble a year or so, I think. All right, so with YouTube now demonetizing his channel in light of the allegations, he is expected to continue profiting from Rumble instead and those subscriber figures may rise. He joined Rumble in September last year after receiving repeated warnings from YouTube over his pandemic videos. Rumble, he claimed, was a better platform for his content as it advertises looser restrictions and a steadfast resist censorship ethos. The move looked like a logical next step for Russell, whose journey from naughty's British TV, darling, to online fringe personality has been ongoing. The subjects of his recent Rumble videos range from Prince Harry (laughs) and the so-called Deep State to, let's just say, stuff to do with the pandemic, 
Notably, he still posts on YouTube, but as reported by The Guardian, it was on Rumble that he got ahead of the Times and Channel 4 last week by addressing the fact that media outlets were preparing to publish what he called very, very serious criminal allegations against him. Founded in 2013 by Canadian tech entrepreneur Chris Pavlovsky, Rumble is relatively young in the media landscape. YouTube established 2005, Facebook 2004, Twitter 2006. In those 10 years, though, it has emerged as a major player among free speech-focused alt-tech apps, a group that includes Parler, a Twitter substitute that fell to the wayside in early 2021, once Amazon said it would no longer host it on its computing service. That decision came after it was used by rioters to... Beep, 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 beep. Rumble has since proven itself a haven for self-stylized media outcasts and censored voices. Tate, Trump, Jones, who at one point or another have been banished from mainstream. Rumble is a port in the so-called woke storm. And for Brand now too, who, to be clear, has not been banned from YouTube, where he is still allowed to post, but is no longer able to monetize the content on his platform, on Friday, 22nd of September, Pavlovsky responded to Dame Caroline Dynage's extremely disturbing letter. And good on you for doing so in the fashion that you did. Dame Dynage, UK's chair of the Culture, Media and Sport Committee, was questioning Rumble's decision to allow Russell to earn money on the platform. And then you've all heard his response by now. I won't repeat that. He emphatically rejected Dynage's demands. And now you've got people who are in business associations with Rumble threatening to cut ties unless they dump Russell. Which again goes against the ethos, but this has been promoted and encouraged by the actions of Dame Dynage. Rumble's site is predicated on the mission to, as its manifesto states, remain immune to cancel culture above all else. Alex Jones, who was fined $1.5 billion, uh, owing owing to families of the, the hoax thing that he said, he has attracted a quarter million followers on Rumble, where he proudly lays claim to hosting the most banned broadcast in the world. That's got to be a toss-up between AJ and David I. Rumble isn't the only one of its kind, but it is the most popular. Callum Hood, the head of research at the Centre for Countering Digital Hate, says, Our tracking shows that Rumble is getting more visitors than other similar streaming sites because it has attracted influential alt-right figures to use its platform and reward them handsomely with generous ad and subscriber revenue deals. Take Tate, self-professed alpha male guru, banned from YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Tate joined Rumble in 2022 in a deal that CNN reported was worth $9 million. Wow. Didn't know that. And the announcement of his debut briefly sent Rumble to the top of the Apple and Google app stores. Tate has since faced charges of R-word and 
transportation in Romania. And two weeks ago, we interviewed Andrew Tate's lawyer, Joseph McBride. It has been shadow banned. If you want to find that one, you'll have to search for it in the YouTube search box. In response to the charges, Rumble did not remove his videos, but instead issued a statement that echoes many of the same sentiments as the most recent statement to Dame Dinage. Rumble condemned human transportation and SA, but maintained that every accused deserves due process. Indeed, they do. The allegations against Tate, which do not appear to involve any content on Rumble, should be investigated promptly and thoroughly, and we will not prejudge that investigation. So Rumble's content creators mostly comprise your garden variety conservative commentators, among them Charlie Kirk, Stephen Crowder, Ben Shapiro. But they and many like them use Rumble as a secondary, if not tertiary, place to reassure TV clips and podcast episodes already posted on traditional outlets such as YouTube. Few actually produce any original content for the site, though not for lack of trying, as New York Magazine reported earlier this year. The platform is busy itself building its own roster of talent. Last year, a hundred million bid to poach podcast king Joe Rogan for Spotify was reportedly unsuccessful. If you look at the value of Rumble, so Rumble shares on Friday closed at $4.86, which is around four British pounds. They were down 7%. I think the storm around Russell Brand has dragged them down a bit. I think it was Lord Rothschild who said the best time to buy shares is when blood is running in the streets. But if you look at a one-year chart of Rumble shares, they've almost been as high as 15, 52-week high, 13.64, and they just made a low at 4.86 yesterday. Wow. So if you do believe in Rumble and you are an investor, Rumble shares might be something to look at because the market capitalization of the whole company is just $1.36 billion. The market capitalization of Alphabet, Google, YouTube, is $1.65 trillion. And their shares are up at 130 They closed that yesterday. Yeah. All right, continuing, the we're having a look at the independent article. The experience of being on Rumble is intensely conservative. It's one of the narratives that emerged around this Rumble, Russell, the Russell scandal, is that if you defend Russell or say anything in Russell's favor, you are now a right-wing conservative conspiracy theorist. I've seen that evolve in the last couple of days. So, this article is saying, think about YouTube caught in a right-wing recommendation loop. That's what Rumble is. This wasn't always Pavlovsky's vision. He conceived Rumble as a new home for small-time creators forgotten by YouTube, which had begun to prioritize only its most successful influencers. For its first seven or so years, Rumble hosted harmless viral clips and snippets of news. 
It was only in 2020, between the overlapping crises of pandemic and a disputed election, that Rumble found its crowd. Its popularity soared, with monthly users increasing from 2 million to more than 20 million at the end of that year, according to Forbes. As and I mean, if you look at the growth rate of Rumble, because it is coming from Zip, uh, the growth rate is absolutely phenomenal. And Anything Goes site is an attractive prospect for higher-profile figures facing bans or critical fact-checks on other platforms. When Ron Paul was suspended from YouTube for spreading beep-beep about pandemic, Pavlovsky personally invited the politician to join his ranks instead. In November 2020, Donald Trump advisor Steve Bannon had his account banned from Twitter and YouTube over a video in which he said, beep, beep, beep. Can't repeat that, no way. According to his Rumble profile, Bannon joined the platform that very same day. It was also in 2020 that popular podcasts X22 Report and Red Pill News were wiped from YouTube for spreading content relating to the letter of the Alphabet Group. Today, both regularly appear in Rumble's recommendations. And Trump, who now has 2 million followers on Rumble, joined Rumble after he was blocked by other channels. And here's what The Guardian says. Rumble has become a notorious hotbed for misinformation. Despite its claims that it does not promote misinformation or conspiracies, it simply has a free speech approach to regulation. A 2021 report by Wired found that if you searched, I'm not going to say the word, on the platform, you were more likely, three times more likely to be recommended videos containing misinformation than accurate information. Ditto for election. Documentaries that would likely be taken down on other websites receive prime placement on Rumble, such as The Deep Rig and Died Suddenly. Films that spout unsubstantiated, unsubstantiated claims are beep, 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 beep. Rumble did not respond to the independence request for comment, but a spokesperson for the platform previously told Wired, Rumble has strict moderation policies banning the incitement of violence, illegal content, racism, etc., 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 copyright, as well as many other restrictions. The, the Center for Countering Digital Hate says that the way to counter misinfo spread by Rumble is to make sure that all platforms clearly set out their policies, explain to users how they enforce them and open them all up to public scrutiny through transparency measures so we can have an informed public conversation about online harm. Otherwise, he says, we get the race to the bottom that we're seeing and as alternative platforms engage in a bid for an audience interested in seeing hateful and conspiracy content. So the CCDH, Centre for Countering Digital Hate, they're the ones who contacted the BBC after David I went on London Real and lobbied to get him deplatformed and to get that video removed, if I'm remembering it correctly. They put out a multi-page report, and in that multi-page report, they had a list of enablers of David I, who would also they were trying to get cancelled. And London Real was number one, and I was number two. Anyway, sometimes people ask why the David I interviews are no longer on YouTube. All my David I interviews are on my Rumble. 
As of 20th of September, Rumble's most watched list includes an episode of the Dan Bongino Show. Conservative commentator and big-time Rumble bankroller promises to address the latest barrage of lies told by an ambiguous they. Other popular videos include an installment of X-22 report Stephen Crowder speaking out against the decision to demonetize brand. And I won't repeat the rest. Um, Given the overwhelmingly conservative content on Rumble, it comes as little surprise that a Pew Research Center study in December last year found that 75% of users identify as Republican or Republican-leaning. More surprising, though, is the 22% of people regularly getting news from Rumble. How dare they? How dare you exercise your democratic freedom to determine which platforms you get your news from? How dare you go outside the mainstream and go to Rumble to find something that may challenge your way of thinking more so than just absorbing whatever mainstream wants to drip on our heads. Rumble claims to be bipartisan. When it went public, it is it was worth $3 billion. Oh my goodness. All right, so when Rumble went public, it was worth $3 billion. It's trading at a two-thirds discount to its public price. So if you do believe in Rumble... You can get shares now for $4 and change versus they were almost three times that when it went public. And shares, when companies, when bad news hits companies, it's like if there's a sale at the shops, prices are slashed, people run in the shops and buy them. But when there's slight prices are slashed in the stock market, people get afraid and sell. They do the complete opposite psychology. Like Rothschild said, best time to buy is when blood is running in the streets. Pavlovsky gave a speech outlining Rumble's mission to restore objectivity to the internet. Bring it back to the middle and make it as neutral as possible. But, according to The Independent, it's hard to ignore Rumble's heavily right-skewing clientele, however. And when Pavlovsky debuted its live stream tool in 2021... He chose the Conservative Political Action Conference to showcase it, an event at which Trump, its keynote speaker, reiterated false claims, blah, blah, blah. Rumble's financial backers, too, include tech billionaires Peter Thiel and hillbelly elegy author J.D. Fance, who hold conservative views. How dare they? One apparent outlier in the Rumble roster is Glenn Greenwald, investigative journalist resigned from The Intercept, a left-wing news site he co-founded in 2020, accusing editors of trying to censor a column he wrote pertaining to materials retrieved from a certain laptop. Beep, 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 beep. A year later, Washington Post reported that Greenwald took a year-long contract with Rumble in the mid-range six figures. Speaking to Rolling Stone, Greenwald said he is unbothered by the fact he sits in Rumble's most watched list alongside BBBBB. To me, that's guilt by association, he told the publication. You're on Twitter, you're on a platform with Trump Jr. and people are pushing all sorts of things. (laughs) 
Political affiliations aside, Greenwald regarded Trump as a bastion of free speech in contrast to the expanding censorship on the internet. Greenwald did admit that he would like to see more diverse voices on the platform and claimed that Rumble was in the process of securing some pretty big, very well-organized left-wing voices to balance their roster. That may be the case, but there is no denying its political edge. And people such as Russell Brand find themselves with nowhere else to go. Rumble is waiting for them and their millions of followers with open arms. Right, so, got one article left. This is The Guardian today. Firms pull ads from Rumble platform over Russell Brand's videos. Burger King, Azos, and HelloFresh remove ads from the site in wake of allegations. Large companies are pulling their advertisements from the video platform where Russell has his weekly show. Well, I imagine Russell's weekly show is going to be one of the most watched he's ever done in light of the video he put out last night. And some sponsors must be gagging to get to hitch onto that. The news movement reported on Friday that Burger King, Azos, The Barbican and HelloFresh, the recipe box delivery service, had removed their ads. Wow. Friday, Brand said the moves to block him from receiving ad revenue for his videos on social media platforms have occurred in the context of the online safety bill. And Rumble rejected Dynage's letter. Oh, thank you. It does all stink to hell. Thanks for the super chat. So, what's Burger King saying here? Burger King told News Movement it has paused all advertising while investigations into the allegations were ongoing. Azos said it has manually removed its ads from Rumble. Barbican said it had asked its media agency to exclude the site from where, it ads, where its ads appear. Times estimates Brand earns 27000 a month from his Rumble channel and $1 million a year from YouTube before ads were suspended. And we've seen his literary agent, tour promoter and book publisher drop him. But according to Rumble's website, it is immune to cancel culture. So it's not going to succumb to these companies pulling the ads. We will find out. Three quarters of those who get news from Rumble identify as Republicans. Here we go again. We're seeing over and over again the political, making this political. Saying that if you, if you support Rumble, if you support Russell, you are identifying as a Republican or leaning to the right. Leaning to fascism. How dare you have an opinion and have views? It's obscene. All right. Still got 2,000 in the chat. Huge thank you for everyone that's joined us for the latest Russell Brand news. If you've got any quick questions you want to put in now, I can see the chat. Put them in now. I will no doubt be back tomorrow doing some news updates on the Russell situation. 8 p.m. tomorrow is our next true crime podcast. It is a female coke kingpin out of Slough who's doing really good work. If you saw the interview we did with Dwayne out of Slough the other week, then they are husband and wife. And um, they do talks in prisons, but they have been through a hell of a ride throughout their lives. It's a hell of a story. Yes, fascists confirmed indeed. How are Jen and the little one doing? He's burping. I have to bounce him and get all the wind out after he has his bottles. 
He's insatiable. Our nickname for him is Milk Monster. What age did I start shaving my head? I think that was around when the rave scene began in the UK. Um, I think I was around university age. Around 20? Yeah. I support Brand, but don't agree sometimes. But hey, he's got a right to talk. Everyone's got a right for freedom of speech. You know, I've got so many letters of complaint from people about what Matthew Steeple said about Russell yesterday. But Matthew Steeples has a right to speak. And the other thing is, we can't just all talk from the same hymn sheet. And especially when it comes to exploring such issues that have divided the nation as Russell. Because if we don't explore it from every angle and have different viewpoints on it, then our coverage is unbalanced. And we'll have we'll have problems. We'll get attacked for for, um, for being unbalanced. Yep. Ash indeed has got our panel coming on on Wednesday. Another we did two Russell Brand panels on previous Wednesday on Unleashed. Ash has got another panel, and I think it's mostly females coming on. And from what I've seen, some of them think that Russell Brand is guilty. So did I go to bowlers in Trafford Park in the 1990s? I wasn't in the 1990s. I was in Arizona from 91. And I didn't come back till December 97. That was when we set up this YouTube channel. when I came back from Arizona. Sean, who do you think will bring a prosecution case first? London or America? I think London with Dame Caroline Dynage getting involved... Seems that London is now the political epicenter of this case. They've put him in. You know, they've made this now. They've they've fed into the suspicions we had that something bigger was going on. They've confirmed it by reaching out to all these media platforms. And of Cleavers, Russell hasn't been silent, Sean. He could still make videos here on YouTube. Absolutely. He chose not to post for last week he was doing videos nearly every day but he only came out last night and did one and ron swanson in last night's live ron swanson thinks that that was russell swan song last night as far as youtube is concerned i'm not so sure because he has so many followers here he can still say things that are within community guidelines and i hope that he does yeah but he's funneling all the virality over to rumble right now and I don't blame him. Let's see. Um, why are so many people coming to the defense of Russell Brand, but with Weinstein and Epstein had none? I think, my Shelley, if you look at the life of Jeffrey, you know, his monstrous activities that went on for decades with numerous high-profile names... And the extent of what happened. We've interviewed survivors of him. Maria Farmer. Very close with Maria Farmer. God bless Annie Farmer. God bless Virginia. For being brave to speak out. I think Russell Brand's behaviour. It wasn't behind closed doors. Like with Epstein and all these elites. It was in your face. And I don't. He's He's not. I don't foresee this becoming the criminal case like it, the criminal criminal case with Epps, with Jeffrey, and with the Jeffrey case, you know he got he got a pass on the first case he got a pass. 
from the top echelons of the US government. He didn't even end up in a jail in Florida. He ended up in a stockade in Florida where he was making calls to the Labour leaders, the, the heads of the Labour Party that were running this country at the time. And it was business as usual. In fact, the cops at the stockade were screening his visitors and behaving as his bodyguards and he was paying them extra money to do so. Made a huge contribution to the sheriff there. But uh, look at that treatment versus the treatment of Assange where he looks like he's aged. Totally aged after what he's gone through. Let's read this one on Facebook from Wesley. Because he spoke out about the establishment and the elites and speaks his mind, this is usually the consequence. Look at Tate. Trump's getting the same treatment with these clowns pulling up from decades ago. It's pathetic, mate. All the fake news outlets enforce against people like them. And all uh, it's all ridiculous. All right, if you agree with Wesley, put a one in the chat. If you think Wesley's wrong, put a two in the chat. If you interviewed the victims of Brand, would you change your opinion on Brand? You know, we are the channel that's interviewed the most, probably the most people who've survived these monsters. And we have a mission to get their stories out there. What I'm urging is that these accusers take this to a court of law and have the testimonies and have the evidence examined and then Russell be allowed to present his side of the story and have that equally examined and if there's a fair trial then we want a fair result to come out and then you know my perspective would change because none of us know what really happened except for the two people in the room on that day but it has to be scrutinized through court it can't be scrutinized through the media I don't know whether he's innocent or guilty. My whole thing, and this is what I've said from the get-go, is just that I've followed Russell over the years. I've been to his shows. I've read his books. I love what he says about addiction and mental health and how the prisons shouldn't be full of addicts and people who are mentally ill and the government should refer that over to counselling and mental health teams to empty the prison system, but they don't because they're making... Tons of money off it through private company contracts. Right, let's see. So we've got about 80%, 80 90% ones. And the fact that I'm not getting all the flack when I was supporting Assange, like when I was supporting Assange, he's also telling me that way more people around the world are leaning towards the ones, the viewpoint of the ones. Hey, Sticks and Stones. So my Rumble channel, as are all my social media platforms, are just under my name, Sean Atwood. We've got a couple of channels on TikTok that have got the most followers. Um, I've got a Facebook. I've got a Twitter. And if you're interested in any of my books, written about the Jeffrey case and Savile, things like that, they're available worldwide, all just under my name as well, Sean Atwood. Christopher M., there is no proof they basically kangaroo courted him. Jamie, it is about how Brand treated women and abuse of his position and power in his workplace as well. Totally agree, Jamie. It's disgusting what he did. I think he's evolved as a human being, though, and as a family man and a yogi. And he regrets doing those things. And if he could wipe those clips off the internet, he would do so. 
yep, lots of people are going against him as well. If you go on Twitter, you know, the damage is done. Even if he is exonerated of this, if it does go to court, the damage is done because this stuff sticks on you for life. Ray J, salute. Um, Swanson's been going so hardcore on Russell all week for us. He's having the night off. So there's no Royal Mess tonight. The next major podcast is the Coke Kingpin of Slough, Mel, tomorrow night at 8. But I will do a Russell Brand news update around this time tomorrow as well. First trial in the UK, seriously, Assange? Nope, no way. And he's if he goes in, into America, it's going to be a closed court. Because in the interest of national security... He's never going to get out. I've sent him the handbook to to guide him through the uh, U.S. federal prison system. I don't know if he's received it, but I hope I hope that he has. All right, I'm going to go and bounce Ziggy now and do some playing and Tommy time. Thanks for tuning, in, everybody. If anything breaks, I'll get back on. But otherwise, I'll probably be back same time around tomorrow to give more updates.